What's up, fam? Welcome to And Another Thing. I'm a wife. He's a husband. I'm the mom. He's the dad. And we are chatting about parenting, adulting, living, loving, and just trying to make life work. And we welcome you. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? I'm Meech. What's up, fam? This is Martha. Let's get into it. All right. So, I've been watching a little bit of Black Girl Magic this week. Um, This story is actually not necessarily new, but occurred last month. A girl by age 12, actually, by the name of Dorothy Jean Tillman. Um, received a bachelor's degree yes a bachelor's degree from Excelsior College Um, so this this girl um, not only received an associate's prior to the bachelor's but another noteworthy thing about her is that she's coming out of Chicago which you know we're hearing so many things about Chicago and what they're going through with violence and all, all kinds of things um, and yet they're able to produce this lovely little girl here who has not only completed high school and associates but now has graduated with a bachelor's degree and is looking to continue her pursuit um, in education with a master's degree in environmental engineering so um I just thought it was a great, great story. I mean, it really caught my attention. Her her mother nicknamed her Dorothy the Genius. Great nickname. Definitely, definitely. And um, and she's from the south side of Chicago. You know, much like our former first lady, who we miss <laughs> so much. Mm, miss you dearly, Michelle. So, so anybody who thinks that, you know, nothing good is coming coming out of Chirac, I mean, we might want to keep an eye on this girl and see, you know, what she does next. And you said she's twelve? She is twelve years old. What were you doing when you were when you were twelve years old? <laughs> I was definitely not getting degrees. <laughs> that is for sure. It was definitely not in college. I think I was probably in the seventh the seventh grade. So, yeah. yeah. Shout out to the young lady. You said her name again was Dorothy Jean Tillman. Dorothy Jean. All right. Dorothy Jean Tillman. Yeah. Right. So a little, little, little black girl magic there. That is that is awesome. And so to counter the black girl magic, I have a little black boy joy. Um, Martha came up with that, but um, I'm gonna shout out Andrew Gillum. A shout out, Mr. Mm-hmm. Andrew Gillum. All right, all right. He is the uh, mayor of Tallahassee, Florida, and he is now the uh, Democratic nominee for governor in the state of Florida. He is actually the first 
uh, African-American to be nominated by a major party for governor in the state. In the state oh. that likes to legalize killing people and saying they just stood their ground. Yes. Right. The state of Florida. If, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So shout out to shout out to Andrew, 39 years old, running, you know, his, some of his, uh, his his main, I guess, his his platform items. You know, he wants to um, provide universal health care. He wants to increase minimum wage to $15 an hour in the state of Florida. Wow. Uh, he also um, wants to do criminal justice reform. And so, you know, that hmm. is something that we definitely need, not just in states, but in the entire well, entire he, country. So he has a lot of work to do in that regard where he can certainly he is certainly needed and can be used. I mean, we're talking about a state that's um, set free Casey Anthony and George Zimmerman. So I hear Florida free George Zimmerman. Right. Um, I hear Florida and feel some type of way. So it's, it's good to hear some positive news coming from from the state if if he can make some changes there. And I mean, even just this week. There uh, was another uh, notable stand your ground case, not quite what we've seen in the past, you know, in terms of nothing like Trayvon or anything like that. But this guy, um, Uber driver, who was also a recent graduate of the police academy, um, shot and killed a man who chased him down as he was completing an Uber fare. Because the man believed that his girlfriend, which he was in a fight with, was the passenger in the Uber and um, chased the car down, I guess, in an attempt to kind of like terrorize her. But it wasn't even her threatens the Uber driver, cuts him off, stops his truck in front of the, the Uber car, forcing the Uber driver to stop and gets out with what he was saying was a gun, you know, threatening to shoot him, which it turned out to be only be a cell phone. But because he was saying, you know, that he would shoot him, turns out he was unarmed, but the Uber driver was not unarmed. He was armed. He did shoot and kill um, that man. And, all of, you know, speaking of that case, everything seems to be in order when you hear that. I mean, the guy was threatened, no doubt about it. Um, he has dash cam footage where you can see um, the aggressor actually starting this altercation. Also, side note, the aggressor texted the girlfriend, the actual girlfriend, and said something to the effect of, you know, I'm going to fuck your Uber driver up. So that uh, substantiated the threat to the Uber driver. He wasn't aware of that text, obviously, at the time. He just knew some crazy man was following him and threatening to shoot him. But the thing um, that struck me in the press conference, the, I don't know who the guy's name is, but the sheriff or a state patrolman that speaks on their behalf, you know, he said some really profound things about Florida and the stands your ground. I believe the comment he made, and this is not a quote, um, but something along the lines of, you know, we're in a different time now. And um, just know that there are good people with guns out here and they will use them. 
I mean, it was like some rodeo, like Clint Eastwood type shit, like the, the, the speak around it. And I get it. I mean, me, myself, I, I get wanting to be a gun owner, being a gun owner and wanting to be able to protect yourself. So no issues there. You know, there was just some trigger words in his in his uh, his dialogue about it that kind of spoke to a larger problem, I think, in the country right now, saying things like this is a new time and, you know, what we won't stand for. It was it. I mean, this was not a racial case at all. Not that 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 was not an issue. But, you know, if you get a chance go out and maybe listen to that clip and see if you were hearing some of those, you know, in your windows that I heard. Maybe my ears are just trained to pick up on things. And like I said, I'm not a fan of Florida necessarily because of some things that have happened there. So I could just be, you know, have dog ears to it. But yeah, that was interesting. Sorry, went off on the tangent about your... your yeah, you did, but that's okay. Your Andrew Gillum moment. Right, thank you, thank you. Yes, Andrew Gillum, we, um, we, <laughs> we, we certainly hope that he um, makes history in Florida and, and makes these changes that he is um, champ- championing. I, I didn't say that word right, but you know what I mean. We, we, hope, he, uh, we hope he wins, especially... After his uh, opponent just recently came well, out and said... it was a major said, upset, right? Like, nobody yeah, expected him to win. Right. He, had, he was running against a lot of more wealthy candidates. In fact, the, the favorite, I think, was like a millionaire. And he, he came out on top. Now his opponent in the in the race, the, the Republican winner... And I'm trying to get his, get his name here. Um, he recently came out in an interview and and basically said something to the effect of you know Gillum winning or yeah Gillum winning would monkey up the the yeah. race I heard about so this. he's backpedaling on those on those comments of course Gillum you know has said hey this guy is is a uh, comes from the tree of Trump <laughs> and those statements were were most certainly um, you know, race, racial in well, nature. You know, rotten so, tree, rotten fruit. So yeah, for sure. So, and I can't. I, I had the guy's name, but I can't. Um, I can't seem to find it right now. But anyway, you know his his little uh, his little racist racist comment he made about you know Gillum monkeying things up. You know, wasn't cool. Of course, people have uh, have spoke spoke out on that. Um, of course, he um, Gillum has been endorsed by most notably Bernie Sanders, who's been a huge supporter of his. He he's riding that momentum since he won the nomination. I think the day after he got like a million dollars in in donations. So it's going to be you know a hotly tested contest in Florida. It's definitely going to have national attention now, especially with the Republican nominees' comments. And people are going to be definitely keeping an eye on on this race, as well as many other races with with the midterm, you know, elections uh, coming up. So, you know, we'll definitely keep an eye on it here, and you know, we'll see how 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 things how things turn out. But shout out to Andrew Gillum for being the first black man to win a um, a major nomination for governor in Florida. All right. So there was a lot going on this week. 
just in terms of just notable and, and big um, kind of news and events. Obviously, this is a week of mourning on a lot of fronts from, you know, the entertainment realm to the political realm, losing both uh, Aretha Franklin and John McCain within the same week, I think. Well, Aretha died. I think Aretha died last week. Okay. Yeah, but well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Within the last, within the last couple of weeks, you know, a notable entertainer and a notable politician. Gotcha. Right. So August 16th for her, and I believe John McCain passed on August 25th. Mm-hmm. So about 10 days apart. But um, the country as a whole, you know, these are, are just uh, mourning these these two very separate people in very separate ways one thing i thought was interesting um as we memorialize aretha and kind of see that going on is i heard that she did not have a will which i thought was really surprising when you look at an entertainer of her stature it's funny because it's surprising but it's not because i also read something about her that I found interesting in terms of how she handled her money like I never even hearing that prior to the announcement of her not having a will but she was an entertainer that demanded to be paid in cash at least a portion of you know whatever her what if you would call it big check would be for from promoters um, for events, which they thought was a little old school, but it sounds like Aretha did not play about her coin. And uh, she would, even at these really big events, you know, say, uh, and she had agreements with promoters. Um, and there were some stipulations around these agreements. Um, I read that uh, one of her stipulations was that, was that the money needed to be put into her hand. She did not have a handler. You know, she did not have a handler to to handle that. If it was such a, a big check, if you will, that, you know, they obviously wouldn't be handing her crazy amounts of money. But, I mean, she would take cash, a portion of, of what she was, was to be paid up to, say, you know, Ten or twelve thousand dollars in cash up front that needed to be put in her hand, which she then put in her pocketbook and carried with her everywhere. Oh, so I, thought, I thought you was gonna say she like put it in her bosom. You know how when you, you know, maybe, like, <laughs> but I mean it's funny because I mean I I can remember, you know I don't remember the actual performances, but I do know you know there's been times where they talk about her carrying her her purse to the piano you know like sitting down putting her purse on top of the piano so i mean at that time we just thought oh that's a funny you know kind of like we are all familiar with our mothers our grandmothers our aunts that kind of that you know i got my own pocketbook type situation where they don't want to let it go in her case maybe there was a reason why she didn't want to let it go she was walking around with you know a really substantial amount of cash in her purse because she had this rule and I mean, being 76 years of age when she passed, obviously coming up as an entertainer in a different time, it stands to reason why some of that was there. You know, what I was reading about it spoke to her coming up at a time where a lot of black entertainers 
would be um, taken advantage of by these promoters and would perform and then, you know, have to kind of argue and go back and forth about getting their money if they got their money, if they were paid what they were supposed to be paid. And also, you know, read somewhere that she, in that vein, was a person who demanded to, um, that she would not perform to segregated audiences. You know, she was one for for integration in that way. And if she was working a venue where they had, you know, kind of the rope to separate blacks on one side and whites on, on one side, she did not go for that and would and, and would not perform if that were the case. So, you know, it, she, it was a different time. And I think she that's something that she started as a rule for her to make her comfortable with going on that stage, you know, and with her notoriety and all of her accomplishments and who she became as she moved into being the queen of soul, you know, she had that right. She was able to tell people, no, give me my check. In this case, my cash or, or I won't perform. So yeah, I think we're seeing a a lot and learning a lot more about her. Sure. Yeah. Um, she definitely, you know, Aretha strikes me as that lady to walk up to the grocery store. She pulled ten grand, ten grand out of her <laughs> bosom. I'm telling you, that's 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 probably how she got down. That's probably when she when she got her cash before she performed. You talking about a pocketbook? If she left the pocketbook in the dressing room, she just she just threw it in the bosom. But Aretha obviously has a a special place in the hearts of many in our community because we're from. Detroit, and so she means a lot to um, yeah the people of 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 this of this area, the Metro Detroit area for sure. You know, we 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 feel like we lent her out to the world, but that she actually truly belonged to the city of Detroit. So um, it was definitely definitely a somber, or it's been a somber time. You know, just in in the area when you know when you think about Aretha Franklin passing and what she meant, you know, to the um, to the city in general. You know, one of the funny things that that I saw about her that was circulating, you know, after she passed was the where it was this interview where I don't know who was interviewing her, but they were giving her names of of certain singers and yeah, she was and yeah. she was giving her you know her opinions on them and they got they got the taylor swift i think it yeah, was and she's like gowns she wears nice, nice gowns. gowns she, she wears, wears nice gowns. Yeah, yeah, gowns, gowns great gowns so you she know she was practicing the you know yeah try to say something positive <laughs> approach if you can't say nothing nice don't say nothing at all so she she threw out the nicest thing that she could throw out about taylor swift which was which was her, which was her gowns, but an interesting yeah. thing that that you bring up, and and it's a good, <sighs> it's a good bless you, a good segue. I think um, when you were talking about the fact that um, Aretha didn't have a will. Now, Michigan law, her her estate will go to her, will be split amongst her four children, and maybe that's I why still, she. Didn't it's have a, just still so hard for me to believe, like that you would leave that up to chance. I right. don't believe. I mean, it's just weird to me. I just don't. I mean, some uh, that substantial amount of, uh, you know, if you work all your life for this and devote so much of your life to doing something you love, but making, you know, a really substantial amount of money at it, more money than I'm sure anyone else in her family, uh, as she was more successful. 
than pretty much anyone else in her family. It's just hard for me to believe that someone would want to just leave that up to chance and Michigan law. Sure. You know, it's like, really? I mean, it's just odd. So, but it, I mean, and I don't know the law to that extent. I wonder when I, I've always wondered when I hear these cases, not just hers, but any case where you hear about a famous person with a lot of money or any person for that matter. And they're saying, well, they didn't have a will. It makes me wonder like, well, who is the person that gets the final say on if there really was a will like it just makes me think like was there a will somewhere that somebody just don't want to bring forth and and put out there because Uh, it it doesn't say what they want them to say i mean i'm sure she has a a a main attorney that they looked to um that could say whether she did or didn't in her case but it's just it's very surprising i mean I wasn't surprised to hear about her carrying money around in a pocketbook or a bosom, as you would say. But I was surprised to hear that she would not have a will. That was just really um, surprising to me. Right. And considering, like you said, her her fame and notoriety and her her net worth, her worth, if you will. But it does bring up an interesting... And uh, actually, speaking, speaking to her net worth, I mean is 80 million dollars i think they were saying she was worth like a great deal of money of course but you know she could have been worth a lot more money i'm hearing like there were a few you know obstacles if you will in her really ever making it to the amount of success financially that she could have been because they say that she had an aversion for flying like she refused to fly so whereas another artist of her caliber could have made money globally right just a lot more money globally she she would not do that so she, you know 80 million who knows if she didn't have you know that right you're saying maybe she missed out on some opportunities yeah it sounds like she could have been worth even a lot more yeah internationally or whatnot but but what about this though just the whole not having a will thing and just speaking in general about particularly in the african-american community about kind of having your your affairs in order you know that's something that that came up in a discussion i was having um, on social media with with someone just in general you know i you know i just think about and or people just regular people you know not the aretha franklins of the world but just you know uncle uncle joe or whoever you know passes away and um you know how important are are our wills and you know very right of course they're very important <laughs> I mean, they're very. but you don't i mean how often do you I mean, see people pass about... in the african-american community and they don't have a will like i know um you know my grandmother uh, passed away um in 2010 and she she had a will but my maternal grandmother when she passed away in 2002 and then my grandfather subsequently in 2003 neither one of them had a will and it was you know and all I, and hell kind of kind of broke know. loose in that regard i think we come from you know obviously they're successful black people so not to say many 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 successful black people um so but I, but i do think sometimes we equate or maybe some of our our elders equate the need for a will with 
wealth or with what they've accumulated or acquired. So I think some people fall into a trap of believing that, you know, that whole mentality of, well, I don't really have anything, so I don't need it. But I mean, in reality, it's not just for me when I think will, I'm not thinking of just I know that that's what it's for to kind of allocate assets and that. um, But I mean, I think of it in a broader way in terms of like, what do you want done? I mean, for us, you know, being a married couple, I won't say young, but young, you know, couple with children, you know, young children, I'm thinking, okay, this is a way for us to say how we want their future to go in terms of whatever assets we, we do have or did have or or whatever. I just, I'm one for like, Write it out, make it plain, don't leave it up to chance, that whole kind of thing where, you know, I've heard, I've heard, you know, members of family or friends or people I know actually say things like, I'll let y'all fight over it. Like that kind of mentality is just like, I don't care. I'm not going to be here. I mean, that is just like the craziest thing I to me to say that or to think. And, and then it just goes back to you know, what I'm saying about there being this kind of dismissive idea of it because they equate it with wealth and think, well, you know, I don't have much, so it's not important. It's still important. I mean, and I want to talk about, I mean, you can take it to the point of even a living will. You know, a lot of us don't think about the decisions that will be made for us if we become incapacitated in some in some way and when you have young children I think you need to have things very clear like if you're not able to make decisions for yourself due to some injury or illness or what have you that's your way to say what you know what should happen who should be caring for your children what should be happening with them who should be making decisions on their behalf um what should be happening to whatever monies or insurance like you're not you're still alive but you know if you have any type of money or insurance or or anything that is is covering expenses at that time how how should that be allocated like a living will is important too a lot of us you know we can be in these relationships that are already dead do you want that person being in charge of whether they keep you on a ventilator or not. I mean, like, heaven forbid. But, you know, you have to talk about things like that. Wait, what you mean? Like, and living you, your relationship is already dead. What you, what you say? No, I'm like, just saying, like, like, some of us, you know, it's like just something that we just don't think about. And you have people, you know, common law, A for a husband or whomever. And they, and they can't stand you, so they go be like, or, or dis- sibling, disconnector. A sibling you're estranged, right from, estranged from and you haven't talked to them because y'all fell out, you know, 10 Christmases ago. And now they're your closest relative and they making, they are the ones to make uh, decisions on your behalf because you're here, but you're not able to make those decisions. Like, do you really want that? Yeah. I mean, the way to avoid any of that heaven forbid you know we end up in those situations but things happen it's to have a living will and then you know obviously in the event of death to have a will just i just think put it out there 
make it plain. You know. Listen, listen. You know, you were you were there when when my when my grandmother passed, and we were all sitting around at the. T- my grandmother had her obituary and her she wrote it her herself. funeral program. She had everything. She picked her own ready. picture. Her own picture for the for the program. I mean, you talking yeah. about prepared. And so um, I think it's But important. even prior to her passing, like I remember being there and just, you know, and she wasn't sick or anything. That's just like being around a day that the family got together and her talking about you know, she would like, she liked to bring up, she liked to throw out there. Well, you know, my stuff is in order. Right. I have specific instructions. It's all written out. And when she would make those references, you know, the family sitting around having a good time, watching a football game, whatever, eating, everybody kind of was real dismissive and didn't really want to hear that from her because it just, you know, I, I think it just scared everyone because it seemed like kind of morbid speak of her talking about, what uh, she wanted to happen in the event of her passing and everybody was kind of dismissive but I mean I was listening like she was saying listen there won't it won't be any debates you won't even have to wonder about what you should say who should speak anything and um and I and I admire that I had admiration for for the way she she was like looking at a head on I mean and the reality is you know and I say you heard me say this a lot because I got it from a previous pastor that we had a line that he he said um and it stuck with me I mean the moment you start living is the moment you start dying we all leave in here is there's no way around it so it's not something to kind of shy away from what are you going to do to deal with it when it happens Right, yeah, so the moral of this story, look, black people are people, but especially black people. Get a will, get some life insurance, all of that stuff. So, you know, as as, as my grandparents would say, have your affairs in order, right? Right. Yeah. So we lost John McCain yep. as well. Mm-hmm. And rest in peace to him. For sure. Definitely. War hero. You know, some people don't want to acknowledge the man as a war hero. We won't say who that is but right definitely definitely a a bright or you know a bright spot in within the GOP has 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 gone out and and there're not many many spots there <laughs> well that are noteworthy so can i but, say something about that real quick just just real quick i know you, i know you got a, a couple thoughts here but um why can't we just mourn the man the man dying like i see so many people be like well you know i may not have agreed with his political views but rest in peace like why not just why not just rest well, in I, peace? I don't think that's where i was going with it no no, but, no i know but i was just i just but i, I mean it, it is what it is it's like i think i think people say that maybe because here's a man we're not talking about just a republican from arizona in this case he did run for president Correct. He ran for president more in, than once, actually. More than once, mm-hmm. in opposition of someone who actually then became president. Right, of course. So we got to see very clearly facets of his character 
that you wouldn't see with just another Republican from any other state. Like when you run for president, obviously you're out there on the forefront. You get an opportunity and a microphone in front of you where you are being encouraged to tear down another person, you know, to advance your party's political agenda. And we have this man who many times in these public forums I just saw a clip recently and you know what, where we are now and we won't even go jump off that cliff in terms of politics and the spewing um, of hate speech and, and that kind of thing. It was a glimpse. It was a true glimpse. I mean, when I tell you it was like astounding to watch, not to say we don't remember it happening, but you do kind of forget that these things happen, but it's him at some form of a kind of like a town hall or or that type of event, you know, speaking to his, his supporters supporters, and he's speaking, um, you know, on the campaign trail and we got the first glimpse of what now has become norm. Um, there were people who stood up, you know, got the microphone and got the microphone. And one lady in particular said something about, you know, his then opponent being Barack Obama how he couldn't be trusted because, you know, he was a Muslim and um, just all the things that we came to hear a lot more later. But when I tell you this man immediately like dead at that, like Shut it down. this was his opponent, but he would not entertain that. Like he was just, you know, he didn't entertain any of that, that character assassination that we later saw and became very normal. He said, look, you know, that is not who he is. Um, We disagree fundamentally on issues of politics, but that's just not who he is. And he, and he moved on. I mean, and this happened more than once now. And what's, what was so riveting about that clip is they show more than just that lady saying things like this. And those are exact, almost, it was almost like a script of things that people said, you know, fast forward to more current campaigns for our current POTUS. And he not only allowed it, but encouraged it, ran with it. Um, he, he took what was a flicker and let it just burn, 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 you know, threw gasoline all over it. So, I mean, I, I think it's it like took, I was taken aback, like, wow, you know, you forget how you got where we are right now. But I looked at that clip and I was just like, well, damn. So, you know, they just needed somebody to validate them even then. Right. And he wouldn't do it. And honestly, I mean, and I won't go all off into that. The man just is the past. We want to talk about his legacy and move on. But I will say, and I mean, I know everybody has probably said this. I mean, his own, his his biggest fault in that last election was his choice and in, in a running mate. Like, right. had he not chose Sarah Palin and whoever was advising him and gave him that horrible freaking advice, I mean, he he may have made it to the White House. Right. I mean, one of the things, um, and this just even speaks to. You know, just how honorable of um, a person he was to this day, like he still would not, you know, say, hey, I regret 
picking Sarah Payne. Now he he certainly may have regretted it. I regretted but, it for him, and I'm not even never, you know I was never a supporter, yeah, but, but I do I recognize that he was never he was never incapable of leading the country. Right. Did I disagree? You know, like he would say, disagree fundamentally with some of his views. Absolutely. Right. But he was never incapable. He was never you know there was never a question during his his campaigning for presidency of if he was even competent right you know if he was even <laughs> like yeah, like so. what we have now there was never that was never a question right. you know he he definitely took a wrong turn in his choice for running mate and and paid an ultimate price for it but yeah. yeah well i don't know if you heard some of the backstory he actually wanted to select joe lieberman to be his to be his running mate and joe lieberman at the time I think he's more, if I'm not mistaken, he's more of an independent. Joe Lieberman ran for president um, some years back, too. I, I want to say he ran back in 08 when when Obama won the Democratic nomination. I think Lieberman at that time was a Democrat. But um, he, he wanted to run, or, or, or McCain wanted to pick him as his running mate, but um, the the Republican Party thought that he was so to the left that it would just be be a terrible idea so they went about as far right as you could go yeah and that's always when they're in with with, with Sarah Palin right but um you know his concession speech when he lost to Obama in 08 was you know was very gracious he was you know very kind he recognized the historic moment that was taking place he recognized what you know Barack Obama being elected president meant to the African-American community he acknowledged that he was um, again just just very 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 gracious, and it's just it's funny because as we're recording this, um, John McCain's memorial was today, and I just think about Joe Biden coming up and speaking, and you know he got a couple laughs out of the crowd because he says, you know, my name's Joe Biden, and the crowd just bust out laughing like, you know, okay, we know who you are, and he goes, and I'm a Democrat, and then everybody just burst out laughing again. And then the next words he says was, and I loved John McCain. And so, you know, even though, as we stated, there were, you know, fundamental political differences, you know, there was respect across the aisle for for John McCain, obviously from Republicans who, you know, shared a party with him, but also from Democrats, many of which he 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 willingly worked with to try to you know, to, to, to pass legislation and, and, and do different things. So, uh, you know, yeah, rest in peace, John McCain. You know, rest in peace, you know, Aretha Franklin. Two, like you said, in very different ways, but two great Americans um, who impacted, you know, our country and our world in, in profound ways. So, yeah, definitely rest in peace to both of them. Yeah. So... I don't know if you heard about this. Like moving away from we lost. This is just one of those things, moments that just make you shake your head. Just like the caucasity of these people. Caucasity, that's a new <laughs> word, okay. So Betty Jo Shelby. Never heard of her. You heard of her, believe me, you just don't remember. Oh, she's the pol- okay, I know. Go ahead. Go ahead she go ahead. is the Tulsa police officer Mm -hmm. that shot and killed Terrence Crutcher, who, you know, whose car broke down in the middle of the road, who 
I believe it was proven. I don't want to say we got a sign. I know it was reported that he was high on PCP. He was 40 years old. This happened back in 2016. Like every, nearly every other officer who shoots an unarmed black person. Of course, she was later acquitted. She was. We, a, got, we, we, we got one recently, though, but go ahead. Yeah. We just got one a couple of days ago. Oh, yeah, ago. For, the, for the young boy. Yeah, but she was acquitted of first-degree manslaughter. Okay, so that's now, I, I'm sure not water under the bridge for his family, but that moment is gone of us being able to hope for a different outcome in terms of her being convicted. But now, <laughs> she is back in the news. And this is because she has developed a teaching uh, series curriculum curriculum that she is offering to to Leo's out there um, or LOE's law enforcement officers. I'm like, who are Leo? I'm like, Leo's (laughs) like the sign? Like only only Leo's are allowed to to come to this class? Yeah. and, And she's calling it the Ferguson effect. Oh. the Ferguson effect which she was not so like within this one act she has managed to, to to disrespect you know two different families affected by police gun violence toward unarmed black men so not only the, the, the one that she was involved in herself with the Crutcher family having to see her again out here doing things and being free and living her life but she throws in Mike brown's family because she's calling this course the ferguson effect and the course is is a teaching course on how to survive such events that happen to police officers legally emotionally and physically for what she feels like when they are villainized or when she she says this is a quote when a police officer is a victimized by anti-police groups and tried in the court of public opinion. Mm. This is a course that she is teaching. This is a course that the Tulsa Police Department is allowing her, allowing her to teach. Right, because she's not a member of the police department anymore. Right, she like, like got she like retired like early um, or something like that. I know I she's believe, not. She's not maybe. an officer anymore. Okay, so maybe she's. She's no longer, but uh, an officer. I I didn't know exactly what her affiliation was to the police department anymore, or that one, or otherwise. But um, I did know that she was acquitted, and I mean, but you can make more money, I guess, outside of outside of being a police officer as a consultant or contractor, or you know, and if you will. And this is her teaching how to survive the aftermath of officer-involved shootings. It is, it is so. I mean, I heard this and I was just like, again, the caucasity It's like, it, it goes beyond like the, the adding insult to injury is not even saying enough about my feelings on this. Like it, she just, the fact that she is allowed to do this, to shop this around to police departments, the fact that there are police departments that would even, you know, her very own Tulsa police department that she uh was a part of is is allowing this to be taught and not to say okay there are there is a great need i think we would all agree there's a great need and by way of 
teaching that needs to happen. Yeah, just not in this with regard. law enforcement right. in this country. Right. But th- if this, you know, her just come on, like. And and she is unapologetic about it. I mean, in in the clip I saw of her speaking on it, in the clip I saw, she was still in uniform. She was in a uniform, so that makes me wonder uh, is she still a part of the police department? But the police department, Tulsa Police, you know, their statement on it is that they believe that the course would be beneficial, and they believe that she is the right person to teach it. So, I mean, just what are we? <laughs> What just where? What are we doing? What are we doing? How how does how does this? You know, uh, what I, it sounds like what we're doing is, or what this person is doing is, you know, monetizing the killing of an unarmed, you know, black man, and then, like you said, affecting uh, a whole uh, another well, she's, family. She's in not, and, and, and supposedly it's it's a free course. No. So that's where they, you know, threw out that she she would not be paid for it. Huh, it's a okay. free course that lasts four hours, and is is set uh, to describe some of the challenges in dealing with aftermath of critical of a critical incident such as an officer involved shooting. Participants will be exposed to many of the legal, financial, and physical, uh, as well as emotional challenges which may result from a critical incident. Sure. And and listen, and listen, I would imagine that a police officer shooting, even, you know, shoot, let, shooting, let alone, and then, and, and, and God forbid, killing another person does have, you know, psychological. Does it affect them yeah, as absolutely. a person? Yeah, as, yeah. As I mean, and it probably effects. affects them as a person even more if they a were not. class to teach, right? It's probably, it's probably something that, you know. No, I, I think. I mean, how to cope with it, how to deal with it. I would imagine that. I, I think <laughs> in these cases where, you know, they're the hot-headed aggressor, if you will. Yes, they're doing their jobs, but. I mean, they completely throw out any part of their job or training, or maybe there wasn't training. And we do know that there there is a lack of training and de-escalation in in many of these uh, law enforcement communities. But I think if we were dealing with someone that was, you know, ill-equipped, like really ill-equipped to handle the situation and did not have, and I won't say malice, because... I won't, because that's going, you know, they will all say, well, I, you know, they're not murderers looking to, you know, in terms of intent initially, like, I'm just going to go out and shoot this person, but um, murderers by way of indifference, like, if you are so, you know, we've said it time and time again in these, in these shootings, it's like, you are a trained officer of the law, of the law, you would think you already have the temperament, the training, or whatever you would call it, to to have a mindset of not being shook at the very sight of a black man. Like you should, it should not. Your immediate response should not be to to shoot, uh, shoot to kill. 
another human being that is not sh- posing, you know, this whole thing, I fear for my life, or they, you know, or we told them to, to not move. Like, this man was unarmed and with a vehicle that stops in the middle of the streets. Like, I, I just think, yes, could, to speak to your point of, do they need, you can imagine that they would need some type of training after being a part of incidents like that. I think more so the people around them. Maybe if there are good, if there are some actual good cops within that police force that are then later affected by that bad apple bringing so much attention to their to their police uh, department, bringing so much scrutiny. Um, because I would imagine it, it affects everyone as a whole um, when you have a police officer within your within your police department that is now, you know, has groups um, that are needed to come out and stand up to them and stance, you know, and speak about them. There's a group, a group called Bam Betty, you know, that's been in existence since this happened. Um, we all know Black Lives Matter, you know, was so yes, I believe Every law enforcement community can't be all corrupt. You know, they can't be full of these trigger happy. I was scared. He was black. That this is the story. You know, this case was the case of that whole, oh, he looks like a bad dude. Like, okay, your car stops in the middle of the freaking street. What about that makes you look like a bad dude? There, he didn't look. The only thing that made him look like a bad dude was that he was big and he was black from I mean, and this was said from a helicopter view. So you talk about a bird's eye view where they determine that, oh, he looks like a bad dude. Not waving around a weapon, not standing on a street corner, selling drugs, whatever, near a disabled car. And But he looked like a bad dude. So to speak to the validity of the need for a course like this, like... Maybe it, I, the other officers well, that would then be affected by that whole incident happening within their police department. Right. But for her herself or the officers involved, like in this latest case, the guy who had been sworn in, what, like 30 minutes before? Yeah, I don't know. So I'm speaking more so for, because look, obviously there are situations where we have seen like you said, trigger-happy police officers shoot and kill unarmed black men. But there are other situations where police officers lawfully shoot, you know, injure, or, you know, God forbid, you know, kill a, you know, a would-be assailant or what have you. Not necessarily a, a black one. It could be white or whatever. And the point I was making was that those officers, I'm not talking about the the ones that are, like you said, trigger happy and, oh, this looks like a bad dude and he, you know, sticks his hands up and you think he has a gun and, oh, so I shoot. But there are situations where, you know, police officers act lawfully, whether it be self-defense or, or, or what have you, and, you know, injure or kill a would-be assailant. And I would imagine in those scenarios that those officers may need some type of, you know, I'm sure there's like, I, I know I police, think, I know police and officers I'm sure they probably have and things like that. in place right, for that. Right. Like this is her basically regurgitating and 
as you said, I mean, they they point out that she's not being paid for this course, but capitalizing just the fact that we're sitting here talking about her again on an event that you would think any decent human being and not to, not to stress to say that she she could be that that this would even occur um, to begin with would not uh, re-injure or re-wound this family or the community by stepping out here and throwing her face and her name and her words out there to say well you know almost like a victim saying you know like I was victimized Victimized, by this incident and I want to teach other police officers what to do when they're in these situations where they may be victimized. Like you were not victimized. You, she was the aggressor. He was not the aggressor. She, um, the actual order that is said to have happened on the scene when this was occurring, where they were told to use their stun guns, Uh um, which other officers pulled and she, for whatever reason, used her actual gun and pulled the trigger, firing the shot that hit his lung and and left and left him dead. You know, it's just like there has to be, you know, a gun, a bullet from a gun is not a go go gadget arm. You know, to reach out and to grab someone and to you know make them submit to whatever. Like this whole idea. That she is somehow the victim in this, or even that she's not even she's not saying that, per, but perpetuating that with this course is absurd. It's like it's completely absurd. Yeah, I think I, I think I don't have a huge issue with the class in itself existing. I think it's a tone deaf decision by whoever made it to have this person yeah, be the person. It teaching the class and, and it would not surprise me at all if this turns into later a book deal or something oh sure sure i mean yeah you know, she's, she's the, gonna the, try the, to monetize the it net the net will go far and wide for how she handles this and i mean just seeing her face on anything at any time at this point you know as the crutchers are still mourning is just a bit much for me sure but okay i, I, I agree you know talking a little bit about pod people there's some other podcasts, you know. We're a podcast, but we'll we we'll show love for some others. We're but. a podcast, but I am a podcast fan. So yeah, I have no problem talking about who I'm listening to, what they're talking about. I mean, really, and I'm I'm late to this party. Okay, let me be let me be real clear about me and the podcast. So yes, you guys will likely hear me talk about. Who I'm listening to, what's going on in the pod world, uh, in the potosphere, if you will. But I know some people are out there and have been ride or die pod listeners, podcast listeners for years, and I knew nothing about it. I'm, you know, I got a lot going on. I'm, I'm a mom, working a full time job. I'm a wife. I'm a woman. Just did that. Just that is more than enough where, you know, I had just not got my feet too wet in the world of podcast and listening. But once I discovered them, you know, I'm very, uh, I'm fast and furious and listening weekly to many, many, many podcasts. I will say this favorite podcast at the moment right now. No, it's not new. They're not new. 
but you know you kind of go migrate around and whatever you're feeling like at the time my favorite podcast at the current time is read this read that with joy ann reed and jackie reed very rarely do they have a show that i don't make it through you know like sometimes you can start listening Maybe it's just kind of not your thing for the day. Maybe you're not in that space where you want to hear what they have to say, kind of drop off. But I would say they they pretty much bring a solid show week to week, which which I definitely appreciate. I listen to podcasts while I'm working. I listen to podcasts in the car. So, you know, I'm just really feeling them. It's, it's you know, read this, read that black girl magic all day. Is it's kind of their little their their tagline. They do a, they do a segment which is a wine down right at the start of the show where they have wine. Shout out to them for this new drink that they've put me up on and I'm looking to try, which is the Prosecco and Saint Germain, which they have um, each each evening with this wine down and they have a glass of wine and they just talk about you know what's going on. So solid show, solid production, like listening. I mean they keep it. Uh, pretty short and sweet. Never goes. I think right at the hour mark is is probably where where they go with it. So, but I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So you guys hear about more, but that's who I'm really, really feeling right now. Great. Okay. Okay. So as we wind down our very first episode of and another thing, you talking about podcast and who you're. What you're feeling. Um, So what do you have coming up this week? What do I have coming up? Well, what do I have coming up this week? Uh, Well, first off, let's just say it is um, what many sports fans will call the most wonderful time of the year. Football is coming back. All right. Now, before you... Get get on your I you stand with cap. You all can't hear my so, eye roll, so but box. it's there just Before now. Before you get on the I stand with cap, it's so there. Box. Um, I'm a huge football. fan of college football. Um, go blue, Michigan Wolverines all day. So I'm looking forward to Michigan versus Notre Dame this weekend. Uh, can't wait for that. But the most what what I am shout out to. Uh, don't even do it. Um, Khalid, who is the son of a former classmate of mine who is starting for Notre Dame. And he goes to Notre Dame. So this is finally starting. And, you know, care. look, Black Boy Joy moment. We got that in earlier. And when you see your people winning and you see your people, you know, this, I don't know this, this, this boy personally, but um, someone that I went to high school with, he is their son. I see his his dad always posting uh, about how much he poured into him. He is from our our local area, went to Harrison High School, uh, played football there, and was heavily recruited, even by Michigan initially. Mm-hmm. And and now it's finally getting a shot, so I'm not hating on that. Hey, listen. I'm not hating hey, on that. We, we are all trying to raise good successful people and put them out here in the world and if you are if you you know if he seems to be doing that with this son making it this far all power to him he just goes to the wrong school (laughs) all power to him i I, like you said you know great full ride scholarship dad you know tremendous job 
But, you know, go blue all day. So I'm looking forward to that. But the thing that I'm looking most forward to this week is the kids going back to school. I am. You said what I got going on this week? Hopefully the kids being out of the house so I can actually be productive in my uh, my work life. Because them being home every day in the summer has drove me crazy. So I am excited about the return to school. The peace that will be you in my are home and I'm not. between the hours so. of, you know, 7.30 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. There will and be see, peace yeah. in my home. I am so looking forward to and I, and I understand your position there working from home because the day I work from home, me here works from home uh, primarily every day. I work from home typically one day a week. And that one day during the summer when the kids are here is increasingly difficult uh, production wise. However, you know, for me, back to school times rings a whole nother list of of to do's and anxiety around how everything will get done. You know, you are definitely set more to a very rigorous schedule of getting them in, you know, getting homework done, getting showers, getting fed, getting ready for bed, getting ready for the next day, ironing clothes, making lunches. We're transitioning to a time where you have to fit so much stuff into a day. Not only our days are filled with uh, school, but there's extracurriculars, there's dance, there's basketball, there's Girl Scouts, there's, you know, we, we have a child with special needs. So there is a therapy regimen that also needs to fit within that day um, or evening and and you still got to work. Still got a full-time job. At some point you have to feed yourself <laughs> and 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 take care of yourself. We have a we have a toddler that this is going to bring about her going to daycare. You got germs, you know, I'm a complete germaphobe in school. You know, thought of them going back to school. You know, I spent 20 minutes, 25 minutes in the vitamin aisle at Target yesterday. And this preparation for back to school, not buying back to school supplies, which still got to do that, too. Um, but trying to buy what is going to be my defense um, in terms of vitamins to pump into these children so that they do not come home week two with hand, foot and mouth or whatever the going virus is of the time. And. Um, having an almost two-year-old that's about to go to daycare, I'm not excited. I have to say, I'm just not excited. I'm not excited about them getting sick. I'm not excited about having to get up earlier because when they go to school, um, whether I'm leaving, I leave the house to go outside of the home to work. But when they are in school, I have to get up even earlier. So yeah, it's, it's not my favorite time. Yeah, I don't care about none of that. I am thrilled. <laughs> That they are you just want them school. gone, but there's a lot that goes with having them gone. A lot. I just want them out the house. I just want my my peace and quiet and serenity back. I want to be able to make a cup of coffee, sit down and work without somebody asking me for some Cheez Its, or a bowl of cereal, or a granola bar, or a Nutrigrain bar, because they gotta have a snack five times a day. So I know a lot of parents out there can feel me. Uh, to those parents whose kids are already back in school, I'm so jealous. But uh, our day is coming very soon. Just a few more days and they will be going back to school. Well, well, 
I think we can start to wrap up. Yep. And um, we wrap up with our and another thing. Um, that is how we close out. Uh, so I will just say my and another thing just to let you guys to leave you with is listen I think it's really important that we um, as a people support our allies support who is on who shows us that they are an ally of of our people and our plight and where we are and why our, I mean that in every sense of the word, not just, um, obviously we are, we are people as black people, as African Americans. Um, but as parents, as, um, husbands and wives and people trying to make family, make families work out here and all of that. And so in this case, my, and another thing, it's just that we support our allies and I, I I did this myself recently with donating to the campaign of Beto or Work or Beto. I don't know if it's Beto or Beto. I think it's Beto, I think. Beto or Beto or Work or or work. Yeah, yeah. I cannot say that name. <laughs> so yeah, they Good luck figuring out what I'm trying to say there. But this guy... He's the guy running in Texas against against, uh, Ted Cruz. He is a Democrat in Texas running against Ted Cruz. O'Rourke. Beto. Beto, Beto yes. O'Rourke. Yes. Yes. So what he said, and am I a Texan? (laughs) I am not a Texan. Best friend's Texan. I'm not a Texan. Um, So, yeah, I don't have a dog in this fight. So when when I say, and, and, and I say that to say, I did not have, obviously have to... Uh, to give, but I felt compelled after hearing, which I'm sure many probably have heard, won't go into it a lot, but his uh, explanation to in a similar town hall type of situation where he was speaking to his constituents about why we have, so just speaking about the NFL, why NFL players kneel, a particular uh, a person there in the crowd asked him uh, voice that they felt it was disrespectful and asked him how did he feel about it and I would just if you haven't heard it I encourage you to go back take a listen to his explanation of why this is happening um, why it's necessary um, his views on it I mean I, I think I stood up and gave him a slow clap listening after that and from watching it on my phone and look again support our allies we're not people that are in the way people are that are in the way of progress people that do harm we we don't have no time for y'all and nobody going out and buying Amarosa's book put no money in her pocket but when I heard what he had to say I went to his website and I'm not talking I didn't give him a lot so let's let's be clear okay I mean, a dollar, whatever. And I'm not even promoting everybody else go do this. But I'm just uh, promoting that, you know, to me, I think it's really important that when we find an ally of our people, that we support them in whatever way we can. Because we are getting, you know, getting to a point and at a point, I think, where we need as many allies as we can. And we need people that aren't afraid to stand up and show that they are allies of justice and equality and 
on every front for black, brown people, um, any disenfranchised people out here. And so I love what he had to say. And it just, it took me back to, you know, I think Angela Rye, I've heard her say it a lot. You know, allies are, we need them. And I'm just saying, when we got them, let's get behind them. So, and another thing. Yeah, he was um, very eloquent in his his explanation. I thought it was it was uh, it was very good. Um, my and another thing, as we uh, wrap this episode up, goes out to the world or the officials that run tennis. <laughs> yeah, I don't even get me started on this. Lay off of Serena Williams, oh would y'all? For one, he shouldn't even brought Serena up because you guys will come to know that I am by far a crazy, obsessed Serena fan. Yeah. I absolutely, 100%, wholeheartedly, unequivocally love, love, L-O-V-E. Yes. I love Serena Williams. Yes. But listen, lay off of Serena Williams. Yes, listen. do that. You Say know, that. She can't wear a cat suit, so she gonna come out here and kill him in the tutu. You know, she gonna Ooh, she gonna do her him. thing. Whether she wearing a, a cat suit or a tutu, lay off of her. Listen, I have never seen, I've never witnessed a a league or an organization. What is the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say hassle or harass. Well, yeah, maybe I will say hassle and harass. Someone who has done yes so much for this sport. Can you imagine if you know the NBA, you know, mistreated or 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 Michael Jordan? You know, we don't want to see your shoes on the court anymore. Or or LeBron James. Um, Can you imagine if you know? You know, hockey did it to you know Wayne Gretzky, or 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 the NFL did it to you know greats like Joe Montana or 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 Tom Brady or whoever, and so or or golf to Tiger Woods, right? So Serena Williams has been so instrumental in the popularity of tennis. Um, I heard Stephen A. Smith actually say this the other day that he believes that. She should be spoken in the same breath as a Michael Jordan or a Muhammad and Ali. And she absolutely should and be. It feels like if she, she were a man, that she would have she would get the the recognition that she truly deserves. But I've never seen a sport um, treat their you know their marquee athlete because let's face it, man or woman, Serena Williams is the biggest thing in tennis. So they 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 should treat her a little better. Than they do. She's been super gracious in her response to all of the, you know, the 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 comments about her not being able to wear the cat suit and everything. And obviously, and this I suit was special, specially, especially uh, made for her to help her deal with the blood clots that she has. So she's gonna kill him in the tutu. Serena is one of the greatest of all time in all of sports. Yeah, absolutely. And tennis yeah, absolutely. needs to lay yeah. off. Tomorrow, she or, or or as we're recording later today, she plays her sister in the U.S. Open. So they're be facing each other uh, mm-hmm. once again. That'll be um, and you I know, love 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 when they get to play with one another. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a great match to like, watch. Hugely competitive. So, yeah. um, but also loves her sister. So there's always a lot of emotion 
in those matches. And let's just be real. I mean, part of what she went through with the issue with the, I hate calling it a cat suit. I wish they would call it something else. It just bugs me to call it that. But um, it just speaks back to the, the you know, the, the problem or the, the crit- criticizers of this and tennis being such a white male dominated sport and I don't mean by players I mean by like back office and, and the people in charge um at the U.S. Open at levels of you know putting putting on these things I mean within the same week we have this issue with Alizé Cornette changing her shirt and her shirt was on backwards she came out shirt was on backwards realized it decided to just lift the shirt up turn it around and and got a violation for it yet male tennis players sit on the sidelines with no shirts on at times and do not receive violations. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about that whole thing. But yes, layoff Serena. Yeah, you got to I mean the 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 rampant I mean obviously, you know, she's she's probably drug tested more frequently than any yeah, other woman. Yeah, she's come out and said you know, that which woman is player. Absurd, which and is you know and, and just because, you know, her, of her build and, you know, the the way she keeps herself in shape. You know, oh, it has to be that she's, you know, enhancing. But no, it's just that she's a great athlete. She's uh, a one of a kind generational athlete that, that we've never seen before in the world of tennis. And of course, officials don't know how to handle that. So lay off Serena. Let her do her thing. Let her be great. All right. So I want to thank you guys for listening to this very first episode of And Another Thing. We will see you guys for the next episode that's right you guys take it easy out there deuces fam peace Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the And Another Thing podcast. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. You can also keep up with our podcast and download previous episodes on Anchor, iTunes, and many other podcasting outlets. Once again, thanks so much for your support. Peace, fam.